We're live. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It's Friday, 11.03. Oh, no, it's not. It's 1.03 p.m. We changed the time. That's right. Welcome to our first ever afternoon community forum out of uh, our channel. Thank you so much. So with me today, uh, we have Bob slash Borgarm, Borgtoe, Borghand. We have Ishan back after uh, a while. Disruptively unoriginal. I love that. <laughs> and then for the first time ever on these community forums, we have Mimi. Mimi, welcome on. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm always uh, trying everyone to have more women on. So I guess I have to uh, to do this. I have to lead as it. an example. <laughs> I love it. Well, you're representing them extremely well, and I cannot wait to uh, to speak with you today. So thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate you making the time. Uh, so we'll do our usual thing. We'll go. Uh, we'll give you guys a couple updates to start. Uh, for those that are not familiar with this format, this is a format we've been having on the channel for quite a while now. And something we started recently is that we're um, half of the earnings that come in from these community forums. I uh, we take and we just give it to our community, the sort of this Farzad Misbahi community that we're building. And then uh, our community decides what to do with those funds. Uh, so if you are interested in joining the channel, consider doing that, knowing that you'll have uh, an ability to decide where these funds go. So this is just something cool. And we're starting to collect a pretty nice uh, piggy bank here. So um, and then let's go ahead and do a quick update, Bob, from your end, not legal advice, brand new channel that has come on board. Uh, he covers uh, legal proceedings around the world of Tesla and other things related to Tesla. Give us your latest update uh, from your end, and then we'll dig into a mega thread for Tesla that is actually <laughs> has a lot of information. So go for it, Richard. I'm yes, Bob, yes, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I, I know you forget my name. Uh, yeah, so quickly, I'm just updating people on MMTLP. That's the naked short issue that also affected Tesla. Uh, it's ongoing. This occurred, the last transaction again was December 8th. People are still sitting almost three months after with unsettled positions. And there are continues to be people who are in financial despair and acting upon it. And it's really a dreadful situation. So keep an ear out for MMTLP and also be aware of naked shorting as an issue because it affects every stock, it affects every retail trader, and it affects Tesla. And in, uh, again, in Elon's last trial where he testified, he talked about shorting as the cause of the decline in price of Tesla stock. So. Let's keep aware and keep an awareness. And uh, thank you for letting me bring this up, Farzad. Of course, yeah. And uh, if you hear uh, uh, Bob has a new voice, it's because he's got a new mic. And he sounds just so professional now. He's a YouTuber officially. So, man, it's great. Um, let's go ahead and, and kick it off with uh, this tw Twitter thread. Uh, producer wife, my wonderful, by the way, um, we got to meet some of the members of the community uh, at Wednesday and Clive. We, I, I met uh, Rodman and Hans in person. My God, just a couple of sweethearts. We both, the producer and I both met them. Oh my God, and everybody else in the community. Just so many, so many great people. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, pull up that thread when you get a chance, babe. Uh, some new information has come through. And this actually, it looks like uh, Matthew is going to be joining Herbert later today to cover this in more detail. But this is from Matthew uh, Donegan Ryan, uh, one of the very few retail investors that made it over to uh, the Investor Day on Wednesday. And he's got some new information to share with us. Uh, do go check him out at Matthew DR, which I'm assuming stands for his initials. Exclusive Tesla. I spoke with Tom Zhu after Investor Day presentation, and he shared key information that is not known until until now. For those that are not aware, Tom Zhu, it was the uh, previous uh, leader of 
that Shanghai project is now appears to be in charge of global, uh, essentially factory rollouts and production for the company from the vehicle perspective. And uh, he says, I'm convinced he will be Tesla's next CEO uh, uh, after Elon Musk. His charismatic ascent, incredibly intelligent and acts with great sense of urgency. He will be our Tim Cook. Uh, but the, the threat is really what's most important. So let's go ahead and scroll down and highlight some of the things he said. Number one, the Gen 3 platform will be built in Mexico first. Then they will copy and paste production to other gigafactories. So that's well known in an assumption. So let's go to the next one. Uh, number two, the next, uh, the first Gen 3 vehicle will roll, will, will roll off the production line in 18 to 24 months, which is an interesting data point because they talked about the f they're aiming to get the factory up and running in about nine months or trying to beat Giga Shanghai's nine months from commission from breaking ground to commission. It looks like there will be an additional call it. Uh, you know, 12 to whatever X number of months to actually get a car out. I asked if the Gen 3 will be painted or, or stainless steel. He smirked and said paint is expensive. So that's an interesting bit of information. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Giga Mexico will be built at the same time as another Giga. So that's very interesting. And it seems like there might be another announcement. Let's go to the next one. All gigafactory architecture, design, and construction is done in-house. So that made a lot of sense and par for the course vertical integration. Uh, let's go to the next one. Shanghai ramped faster than Austin Berlin because Shanghai copied Fremont's production. And the Austin Berlin uh, factories had to figure out the structural pack. So kind of some context as to why Shanghai was able to move so quickly. The benchmark for rolling model-wise off the production line is 45 seconds. Current times is 37 seconds in China, 55 seconds in Berlin, and 75 seconds in Austin. So Austin needs to pick it up. But that's a very good uh, little bit of information there for us to understand. China is twice as fast as Austin. That's fascinating. Uh, Midnight Cherry Red and Quicksilver Paint cannot be produced in Austin's paint shop, and there are no plans to change that. And that gives me a very helpful data point on how to conceptualize this for other vehicles. Go to the next one. Uh, we will see more proactive communication soon. Tesla now has country-specific Twitter handles and comms teams in Asia. They will roll out this strategy to Europe and North America. So fascinating bit of information there. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, this one's pretty fascinating. Tesla China is actively working with local Chinese regulators to approve use of FSD in China. Same policy for all manufacturers, not just Tesla. And then he wraps up the uh, thread with, I also have unbelievable news about the Cybertruck that I heard from Tesla execs. Follow me if you're into that kind of thing, as I'll share the info soon. So um, <laughs> some additional tidbits there. And it looks like the uh, the Cybertruck piece, Herbert will be able to announce today on his channel. So if you, do, if you don't follow Herbert yet, Brighter with Herbert, he's on YouTube. We'll throw out the mods in the comments. I always do a great job throwing up people's profiles. Uh, and do make sure you follow him. So... Thoughts. Maybe we'll start with you, Mimi, and then we'll go around the horn. Ladies first, of course. What What are your thoughts here? What What are the sort of thoughts that come to mind after uh, reading or listening to this uh, to this thread? I think it's really exciting that we get so much news afterwards, and that he's sharing so much news. Uh, I think it's awesome. I hope that they will uh, um, announce the second Gigafactory soon, and if they manage to get production up within nine months, I will be very, very impressed. Yeah, it's an yeah, ambitious yeah. goal. Very ambitious. I'm curious to see where, like, definitely the there's going to have to be some new stuff they're going to throw into that factory because the next gen vehicle sounds like a brand new sort of process. And I'm wondering 
if if there's going to be an extended period of time from like similar to Berlin and Austin, where maybe they built the factory, but they didn't really start building cars un, until after really close to two years after they broke ground, if it's going to be similar. Um, Bob and Ishan, where, where are you guys at with this? Who wants to take this first? Okay, I'll go, I'll go for it. I, 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 I kind of made notes before I saw this tweet. So it's without that. So you could see how brilliant I am without the tweet. Um, uh, one thing that occurred to me when during the uh, that very long, very, very long three-hour uh, uh, presentation, they talked about a smaller footprint on the factories. And that was one way they were going to increase, uh, I guess, production of the factories was by making smaller footprints. So I don't know if this Mexico City factory is, has a smaller footprint, but I started to kind of look at the size. So the size of the property where the Mexico City plant is being built is 4,200 acres. Austin in total is 2,500 acres. So I don't see this issue about a smaller footprint doesn't seem to make a lot of sense if they bought a property that's bigger than the Austin property. In fact, the, the Mexico City property is bigger than, is twice as big as the Mexico City International Airport for, for context. So it okay. is a, it's a gigantic property. Um, Mexico also, I don't know if two factories means two uh, car producing factories or two factories, uh, two different factories. And, and let me explain. The factory that is being opened up uh, now that we're discussing is just a car producing factory, not a battery producing factory. The issue about the battery is the water, uh, just like everywhere else. So apparently it was like a pain in the butt and a negotiation to get them to approve the factory in Mexico because there's a drought in Mexico also. So in Monterey, it happens to be there. That's an area of drought. There are other areas in Mexico that were also competing for this factory that are not limited by water. So I'm wondering if the second factory might be a battery factory in another part of Mexico that is linked to a water source and doesn't have that water issue. And maybe the $10 billion that we heard about, maybe it reflects two factories, not one, maybe one's a battery. Alternatively, since that Mexico factory has to be a next generation platform, because that's what they said it's going to be, I'm wondering if the next factory also has to be a compact producing factory, which would lead me to believe that if there was another car producing factory made, it would either be Indonesia because it would have to be a low cost or India as an alternative. And there was a discussion about, and I know this is kind of rambling, but I'm just going to ramble a little bit. There was a you discussion. You never ramble, Bob. Yeah, I, I, yeah, except all the time. Um, Elon also talked about a total of 10 vehicles. And um, I think you went through it in one of your posts and we figured out, you know, including like vans and semis, it was eight. So, and, and then it included a compact. So it left two additional vehicles. So maybe for like the market in India, there's going to, or market in India, Indonesia, China, Southeast Asia, there's going to be a really small vehicle that's at a really low cost and services that market. Because I guess in India, the problem is the cars cost too much that Tesla makes and they can't sell enough. So maybe they have to make a special model, downsize it, 
downsize the cost that also would, might be able to be made in India that would service that market that is completely untapped and it's a billion and a half people. So it's going to be a lot of product. Um, I don't think they could announce the vehicle at Investor Day. And I think they had to do it backward. They had to kind of do it sideways because of the issue about the Osborne effect. Because despite what we say, whatever they do to the three and the Highland project you know, that we've discussed, it's still the new car is going to cannibalize the three to some degree. It may cannibalize it less, but I don't think they could announce the new vehicle because of the concern about cannibalizing it. And what has happened since Investor Day, there have been leaks about the timing of the Mexico factory. And the leak was groundbreaking would be three months. That's what I just heard yesterday. So they want, they, if they do groundbreaking three months, we don't know when construction would start after groundbreaking, but let's start say it starts within three months. And then we nine months of construction and then however long it takes to get the cars out. So that's like 18 to 24 months, which I think fits. Um, but if they told you today that in 18 to 24 months, we're going to have a car out and delivered, it's going to be on a new platform and new vehicle, I think it would it would cannibalize the three. So I don't think they could say it. I think they had to release the information kind of piecemeal, but I don't think they will directly. And I think that was what I saw yesterday. I think they said that Tesla may announce the vehicles they're going to produce at Mex in Mexico on groundbreaking day when they break ground, but they will not do it beforehand. And I think it's just the issue about cannibalizing the three. So that was a bunch of rambling comments. It was a lot of really good information. Mimi, I saw you shake your head. Go ahead and give us your thoughts on, on that. And then we'll go I to have to remember all the things that I want to. First of all, no, I don't think, I hope they won't make a very, very small car because how small can you make a Tesla and still have a safe car? They would have to compromise in one way. I don't think that they would make a very, very small car for India and Indonesia. They can't be too small and still be safe. Um, okay. And I think I think it's really surprising that so many thought that Tesla would release a new car at Investor Day. There were no signs whatsoever. Elon was clear all the time it would be about scaling up. Uh, it would be big things. Uh, I can see that people are disappointed. And would I have liked a timeline? Yes, I would. Would Tesla have kept the timeline? No, they wouldn't. Uh, so I think that when the car comes, they're going to do a huge event. It's going to be really hyped. Uh, to do it now, it would have taken all the focus from what Elon wanted. How to save the planet. How do we do it? Got it. Everybody okay. would have just talked about the car. Now everybody's talking about that there wasn't a car, but yeah, no, that, that's that's fair points. Uh, Ishan, go for it. Yeah, so uh, so much to talk about. I think the first thing that uh, sort of came to my mind when talking about uh, Giga Mexico and like Bob said, the site is actually twice the size of uh, Texas, and Texas is about twice the size of Berlin, and Berlin is twice the size of Shanghai. Uh, and, you know, so they are, you know, increasing the land footprint of every new plant factory, but they're decreasing the 
per car footprint uh, of the factory. So it's basically, uh, you know, it's it's a double whammy. So uh, per acre, if you can get 100 cars out from Fremont, you can get probably 125 out of uh, Shanghai and then all the way down to, you know, 150, 175, 200 out of uh, Texas and perhaps uh, with the next gen, it's going to be 250, 300, 400 vehicles, uh, you know, out of uh, out of every acre um, in Mexico. So that's one. So I think uh, the Giga Mexico announcement is very much equivalent to like both Texas and Berlin coming at the same time, but larger. I think the capacity, the like end capacity here could be more than uh, 5 million vehicles. Right, uh, just because of the sheer size and the fact that per car footprint is going up. The second thing um, that I took away was if you try and stitch everything, you know, all the different people said that um, the General Assembly is uh, going to be smaller, they're going to modularize a lot of things. Uh, why are they doing stuff like this? Uh, the biggest pain in the butt that Tesla has at this point in time is the Fremont factory, right? It is all over the place, you know, this huge piece of metal, it needs to be sort of moved all over the factory. There are different buildings that are, you know, overhead bridges and, uh, uh, you know, things have to be transported across buildings, etc. And it is not efficient. I would presume that at some point in time, Tesla will want to just tear down Fremont and build it up again. It, whatever, it could be in parts, it could be you know in, in one fell swoop, but my feeling is that Tesla will want to move Model Y like you know, uh, to Austin, it'll want to move Model 3 uh, perhaps to Mexico first, and then just really uh, invest money into Fremont in order to make it more efficient because the fact is that Fremont has an upper uh, cap on how much it can produce. And even if, you know, as they're speeding up, it is the most efficient factory in the US today, but still uh, it is not going to be as efficient per car or it will not be as volumetrically efficient as in Austin or Shanghai or Berlin or Mexico for the matter. So there will come a time when Tesla will want uh, to essentially have that flexibility to shut down Fremont and then use that space to sort of uh, have a new set of production lines for something, perhaps the Tesla van. I think we are pretty sure that the van is coming. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that's the second thing. Uh, the third thing that occurred to me is, uh, and from this thread, there are two gigafactories being announced. Uh, I would probably discount the idea of India as of now, for, purely for economic reasons. Uh, the fact is that in India, 50% uh, of the car, it, it's a small car, it's like 3 million vehicles a year, but 50% um, of it is below $12,500 a year. And the, there are decent vehicles, like you know, 150 miles of range, that are available today. You know, uh, Tata has a vehicle available today. In the uh, $12.5 to $20,000 range, there are a set of vehicles uh, available today and over the next, uh, you know, coming two years. Uh, 
So for Tesla to be able to sell a $25,000 vehicle in a very, very price sensitive market, um, it's not going to be as easy as much as Tesla is like the ultimate aspirational brand uh, in India. Like, you know, the aspirational brands in India are the Mercs, the Beamers, the Porsches, the German uh, uh, car makers, basically. Tesla is almost as aspirational as uh, they are, perhaps a little less because a lot of people don't know about Tesla. But for them to be able to sell a $25,000 vehicle in India is not going to be that easy. Plus, uh, they won't get those volumes. Like it's the whole TAM is perhaps less than 500,000 uh, vehicles a year. And building a gigafactory in India for that time is just not feasible because there'll be other manufacturers competing for, for that you know space in that price point. So I would discount India, but Indonesia is a good idea. There's a lot of uh, resources there. So yeah, that's probably good. I would probably say that building a factory in Australia is a good idea. Why? Uh, even though it's you know far far away from everything else, there are no vehicles being manufactured in Australia, and they, Australia has like every mineral that's required ever, right? <clears throat> so uh, Tesla really has like an opportunity to grab like 30, 40, 50 percent of the vehicle market in Australia. Like I'm talking about exit, uh, uh, you know, uh, market share. It really has it if, it, if it actually builds not just the factory, but the supply chain. So I wouldn't discount that idea either. Then uh, going forward to, you know, Matthew's uh, uh Can I just trend. ask a thing about yeah. India first? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, India, I mean, it's soon or maybe already the largest country population wise on earth. Mm -hmm. And it has a huge growing uh, uh, middle class. Mm -hmm. So don't you think that a lot of Teslas could be sold anyway? I mean, compared to the population of Australia. Um, so at least Look what... China. Uh, no, sorry. No, Go you're on. right. You're right. You're right. But uh, the fact is that uh, if you look at uh, earnings, uh, you know, average earnings or average household earnings, etc., it's still a third to a fourth of what China is. Right. Um, the second thing is that in India, you will find that there is a class divide, like it happens in most places. Uh, but that class divide does not play out as similar to other countries in the world as one would like to think. Uh, those who actually have the money, you'll find that their exposure to a company like Tesla is a lot less. You know, a Merc is still the most aspirational vehicle in India, by far. And you can imagine, like, uh, people would question a Merc, really, but it's a fact, right? A BMW is the most aspirational sports vehicle in India, right? Uh, people say that, hey, you know, uh, that guy must be... The, these categories that people put in for people who drive Mercs or uh, Beamers. So... Uh, I think that time is still a little bit far off uh, about the growing middle class. The middle class still has uh, an average uh, annual income of, uh, you know, about $30,000, $35,000 tops. Like I'm talking about uh, like right in the center, like above center, 
right? $30,000 is a lot of money in India. So uh, you cannot really be buying, uh, you know, a $25,000 vehicle uh, if you're earning $25,000 to $30,000 a year. It's not suggested. Can I throw a, right? a, a little quick stat? Yeah. So I asked Bing Chat, shout out Bing Chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many uh, cars are sold in India every year? Commercial, via, commercial, and passenger cars. You tell me if this is right. It's four million. It was four million in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's reduced uh, since twenty one. So the reason I said three million is because uh, there are segments of the car market that Tesla is not going to be playing in. I wanted to prove. So, I wanted to prove your your sort of like it's yeah, a low amount yeah. of cars. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but this I think we're presuming that we're presuming megas, right? So didn't they just tell us they're going to be mini megas? So not every factory needs to do a million cars. Maybe some factories that do mm-hmm. 250,000 cars. And maybe that for the size and cost, maybe it'll make mm-hmm. sense. So maybe there'll be, you know, we talked about that there'll be 10, 12, 15 factories. Maybe several of them will be like just smaller fa- smaller gigas. They'll do everything. They'll be vertically integrated, but they'll be a quarter the size of what the others produce. So maybe in a place like India, a 250,000 capacity might make sense. It would absolutely make sense, but why today, right? It wouldn't make sense today. Uh, Today, they would want to build like massive factories, you know, 2 million plus exit uh, loads and uh, build the entire supply chain around it. See, Tesla's margin comes not just from vertical and horizontal integration, but the supply chain integration, localization, right? If you're building just 250, 500,000 vehicles at one place, uh, localization of the supply chain to that extent is not really cost effective. So it is going to, I, I don't deny that there is the potential for a smaller factory in India, but I would probably say that it's closer to 2030 than 2025. Yeah, I was I was thinking those as maybe more supplemental factories, not the main factories. But you could I you could deploy them. You could deploy them all at at a lot of places where you ordinarily may not be able to because you couldn't find the space or the cost mm-hmm. or whatever. I so, think I think what's fascinating, and then I'll throw it back to you, Ishan. I think what's fascinating though is that if you think about the next, so knowing Giga Mexico. Okay, so let me let me ask this question: Do we agree that Giga Mexico? Well, not even. I shouldn't even ask that question. How many units are you guys thinking Giga Mexico will produce at full ramp? Is that the two million, one million? Where's Where's you guys' head at for that? You think five million? Okay, I'm gonna yeah. go to you last. <laughs> go ahead, Bob, and then maybe. Yeah. I, won't, and then I mean, I think I think Ishan might be understating it because I heard Max 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 build out Austin could do four million Max in the plan. And if Austin could do four million at twenty five hundred acres, then I would think Mexico could do a lot more than four million. And I would think it's going to be easier to it's going to be easier to build them in Mexico than it is in the United States. There'll be less environmental regulations. The labor laws will be more relaxed. I think that <laughs> they will be able to build it out faster in Mexico than in Austin. But well, but is, isn't that could could like directly uh so tesla said one to two million so where did you get four million you, you're saying yeah when i looked at uh when i was uh, studying austin originally and i was looking at full build out 
full build out mm. was talking about 4 million cars. Full build, I mean, full build out of all the site. That's 2,500 acres. You know, we, we just did like a, a spec at this point in time. And I guess in the current setup, maybe a million is a full build out. But we know how they go. They're going to go to the million and then they'll expand the million as they expand capacity. So if you look at, I think when I was looking at it, it was 4 million Austin. China, I think, was three. Berlin was two. Fremont was, you know, maxed out under one. And that was the group at the time. So I think based on those numbers, if those are accurate, then Mexico would have to be at least 4 million fully built out. Now, that might take 20 years, too. You know, I don't know how long it's going to take to fully build it out. I but see. I think the numbers sound big. But, you know, the listen, they're already at four, what, 4,000 a week in Berlin. They've really kind of picked up the pace. So those numbers are going to increase pretty fast throughout 2023, I think. So I really think the numbers are, you know, I know it sounds like a lot, but but I think that those are accurate. Mimi and then Ishan? Yeah, I think uh, I think so too. I think they start off with the regular car, and uh, when they reach two million, hopefully it's time for the robo taxi, which will use the same platform. We think uh, so they can do both, and it's a lot of space, it's a lot of footprint, and it's efficient to build as many cars as possible. The same. So I think four million is, yeah. I sound like a bear next to you guys. Ishan, go. <laughs> yeah. For once, I, <laughs> for once, I agree. I, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And if we if we just look at historical information, right? When Shanghai started, uh, we were told that it'll have an exit capacity of about a million, and uh, it's already above that today. So we know that uh, whatever Tesla plans for over time, uh, the volumetric capacity of the factory is actually going to be better because the density is uh, sort of growing. Berlin and Texas have better volumetric capacity than Shanghai. Uh, I think Bob is right that um, Texas being twice the land area compared to Berlin, the potential for the exit capacity is higher. Of course, there are a lot of things involved, like, you know, there's logistics, there's distribution involved, etc. But with Mexico, what I sort of have in mind is that just the fact that the space is so much, um, they don't really have to appease a lot of people, you know, like building ecological parks or whatever. They could just completely max out that space. Uh, that this is probably going to be like the robust robo-taxi uh, build-out center for the world, or at least North and South America. And then, uh, who knows, for the most part, you know, once a car is built there, it can drive itself to wherever it needs to be. So, you know, that you don't have to truck it, you don't have to ship it, it can just drive itself within the continent. So that's and, one. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead oh, I was going to say, and the practicality is if think of the locality. So Monterey, I think, I, I heard when it was a governor or somebody talk about it. And over the last five years, their total amount of outside investment was something on the order of $2 billion over the last five years. And this one project is going to, you know, so outpace that. Five that to ev ten that, ev that eventually, 
I think Tesla is going to have a lot of power and authority in that local municipality because that it's a big city, it's a big area, and it's going to be dependent on Tesla as an economic base, to be honest. So I think Tesla will be able to probably press, uh, you know, press the numbers. I also, uh, this is just. Um, Sorry, Ishani, give me give me one second. I just want to bring in Brian. Brian has joined us backstage. Oh. What's up, Brian? How's it going, brother? Hey, Brian. Good to see you. Can you hear us okay? Hello, one, two. Oh, no audio. Okay, let's uh, let's throw him back out and then uh, let's see if we can get his audio fixed and then we'll go. <laughs> go ahead. Producer yeah. wife's got her hands full right now. Go ahead, Ishan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so I think uh, what Tesla is going to uh, be able to do is deploy some of their engineering prowess to actually start solving for some of the water issues that are there. Now, the thing is, uh, the fact that the Monterey region uh, is hit by uh, drought is not something which is an insurmountable problem. Give it five years, uh, I'm just making a prediction here that Tesla will have systems in place which not just benefit Tesla, but the entire region, right? Okay, having said this, I want to uh, talk about a completely different uh, idea that I took away from... Uh, Wednesday, and that was um, if you look at how much time Tesla is uh, taking to build every million vehicles that they are, 12 years to build the first million, 11 months to build the second, and you know, uh, between COVID, um, seven months to build the third million again, COVID, the fourth, the four million vehicle mark, right, is if you just look at that curve is probably going to be five and a half to six months. The fifth million is probably going to be four and a half to five and a half months. I think that there is a chance that between 1st of March and 31st of December, 2023, Tesla is able to build 1.85 to 1.95 million vehicles, just tracking these numbers. And if you think that they've already probably built 250 uh, to 300,000 vehicles already uh, in the first two months, there's a good chance that Tesla is going to build 2.1 to 2.25, 2.3 even million vehicles in 2023. So that's the number that I took away from Investor Day. Tesla is going to be building, you know, okay. let's say 2.2 plus minus. 1.5 million vehicles in 23. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I've heard anybody talk about this, but it just struck me. You know, if you just plot that graph, and if you calculate the area under the graph, it's it's a pretty straightforward calculation. Okay, um, Brian, can you hear us now? Hello. Yeah, thank you. No. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Nice. We we're just talking, Ishan. Um, just we were just talking through that there is a chance. Actually, Ishan, just repeat it real quick. Why am I talking for you? <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> no, sure. Yeah, so uh, I was just tracking like how much time Tesla has taken to build each iteration of million vehicles. So, you know, right. 12 years, 11 months, uh, seven months. And if you just track that graph down, uh, yeah. the next couple of million, you know, uh, for the fourth million vehicle will be probably built in uh, five and a half to six months. Mm -hmm. uh, the fifth million vehicle, four and a half to five months, five and a half maybe. So between the 1st of March, 2023 to uh, December 31st, 2023, I expect 
anywhere between 1.85 to 2 million vehicles being built. Like all approximate numbers, but again, you know, uh, it, it's just an area under the curve calculation. Right. So that brings me to like a full year forecast of what Tesla is going to build at about 2.2, 2.25, plus minus maybe 1, 1.5 right. with a margin of error. Right. Uh, I think it's the, the big concern is that, you know, they, they did say that they could, they had enough demand so that China could be producing at full capacity, which should mean that they've already shown that they could do 90,000 per month. Right. So, so if they have the pricing right and that there is the demand, then they should get to that 90,000 there. And then the ramps of um, Berlin and Austin, you know, should get, you know, at four, already at 4,000 per week or whatever in Berlin, you know, they should be pushing past those 5,000 numbers up towards those 10,000 per week numbers. So if, you know, based on them being able to cut costs and, and price down to what they need to clear it all out and them going all out, then yeah, definitely hitting those um, 2.4 million vehicles for this year should be doable. Like if you have um, you know, 1.1 million, 1 million from, from Shanghai, you have 500,000 from Austin and 500,000 from Berlin, 700,000 from, from, um, from Fremont, you know, then if they're pushing everything out, but it, it, I think they're not, they think they're, they're still somewhat constrained. There's definitely, you know, look at Troy test, like there's demand issues still in China demand issues still in, in, in Europe, which is holding them back from, truly going on even with the price cuts that they've had um let me ask you there uh brian real quick so on the comments didn't wasn't there a question on investor day where tom was asked about uh demand in china he said there's no that they're, they're supply constraint don't you think that's a signal that says ninety thousand per month is secured right but then they just had the the wholesale number at seventy two thousand for february out of, out of shanghai from cpca so they, they, they said that but then the actual but yeah then again feb's been a smaller month and yeah. uh you know there were ramp back ups from uh the new york holiday in the beginning of feb uh yeah. my thing is what tom specifically mentioned that the demand that they have is twice of what they can produce right i mean he specifically said that right right, right. So, so, so the uh, yeah so the, those two sta the statements that he made about the cars, the statements that they made about 100 gigawatt hours of demand for energy, that means uh, for, for 2023. So that means both megapacks and cars should be able to go all out and just a matter of moving the cars where they need to be. And then if necessary, cutting prices. So I could see another price cut just to totally move the cars out. Because if they're heading to you know, this next year state where, you know, they're turning on um, Giga Mexico, they said three months to break ground, eight months to build it. Then we're talking April to start delivering cars. And if you're using the new production process with a mix of humans and, and bots and stuff like that, and making the cheaper car, then, um, you know, again, if, if the ramp production could be, you know, that insane thing, especially if you have that. And, uh, you know, Something that I and another person, um, Tesla person I talked with, um, were thinking about, I'm not sure if they mentioned it here, is that they mentioned that, or Dave Lee talked to the um, 
to Tom or to someone saying that they would not be making cars for the United States from the Mexico factory. That solved the capitalization problem because if I'm making, you know, $20,000 cars or whatever for the uh, Model 2 or whatever and sending them to everywhere else, but not the United States and not to wherever I don't want to cannibalize, right? Then, because I was looking at that overlap because if they're cutting costs so much with Model 3, you could get down to a $27,000 Model 3, but they have this $22,000 or $20,000 Model 2. It's pretty close, right? There's a difference, but it's, it's close. But if you say, okay, for the first two years, only in you know Southeast Asia, only in these other places, until the the we're we fulfilled that demand, and then we let it into other places where I can like tune the mix however I want to price it, right? Then that solved the cannibalization problem. Um, okay, Bob, go ahead. You came off mute. Yeah, I was going to say is so. Um, I I was thinking is interesting because the compact makes it more of a subscription. FSD subscription model, because there's no way somebody spending 20 grand on a car is going to spend 15 grand on FSD, but they might spend a buck and a half a month. And I think that's going to be a lot of recurring revenue. I was going to say the biggest thing I think about the announcement was it, and I think future announcements, it provides leverage against China. That ultimately, if that China factory ends up being, you know, whatever, that there'll be enough capacity elsewhere to pick up the uh, the slack. In terms of the numbers, I was thinking that I think when I was reading the numbers, the projected numbers for a year two at both Austin and Berlin, that they were on the order of 250 to 300,000. That's kind of what they were anticipating. And if we get, so if Berlin's doing 4,000 uh, uh, 4, now, I think 4,000 a week as of now, and if they got to 10,000 by the end of the year, let's assume, I think, you know, if you kind of, if you average that out, it's probably in that area of 250 to 350. But my concern is, which is fine. So if we took 250 and if Austin did 150, because Austin obviously is moving at a slower pace than Berlin for whatever reason. And I think Tom went, Tom went to Austin to kind of expedite the production process. But if we had 250, 150, that's 400,000, 700,000 from Fremont's 1-1, and a million from China, that's 2-1. So I think that's probably a fair guesstimate of the total numbers. Let's do Mimi, then Ishan, then Brian. Uh, I just want to ask Brian, don't you think it would be a little odd if Tesla built a factory in Mexico and they would ship all the cars somewhere else? Since Elon is trying to build factories, so the distance between the buyer and the factory is as short as possible. Yeah. So the problem with my non-cannibalization issue is that um, they do want to get the the battery tax credit thing. So yes. so that's that's another factor. But then they don't have to cut the prices that much because they can sell a. They do have differential pricing because they, they can sell um, a car, same model in China for a lower price than they sell it for in the United States. So they can have differential pricing there. Um, so with the Model 2, you know, foreign lands is 22,000 and up here is 28, but then the, the 7,500 tax credit takes it down to 2,100. So, yeah, so then, so, but there is some level of, of segregation of 
of keeping things from you know a bit apart. Um, yeah. So, but they did say that you know that they would not initially ship to United States. They did. That was a statement that you know I think was in the post um, uh, the post investor day. Like I think at your event, Farzad, right? Did someone there say that? Yeah, yeah. I believe so. But couldn't it be possible to just during the ramp up that they would just sell the cars in Latin America? And when they have the factory going, then they're going to copy it and they make one in Indonesia and they make a line in Berlin. Yeah, I think that was in that um, tech stream that um, uh, you were looking at the beginning from um, yeah. whatever. He was saying that they would make Model 3 in Mexico first and then take it to the other locations. Um, so in Not the end three, state, but... So yeah. yeah. So or Gen three platform. So yes. so the end state where you got everything running and everything making everything, and then you know all the cars are flowing everywhere. It doesn't matter, right? I'm just in that initial uh, phase where you, you know, maybe in the few months where you don't want to cannibalize and you want to have more yeah. of each, right? Uh, just managing that first year or two is all I'm thinking about. Mm. Yeah, but in the end, it's like yeah, make them everywhere, make them any can. Yeah, that, that's mm -hmm. all good. Yeah, because I'm sure Canada is going to get one. I think Quebec will eventually get one, just when it'll go when it'll go in the order of events. But it's North America. It's going to be, you know, it's going to benefit from tax, the tax issues, and it's close. And the Northeast was considered as an alternative site anyway. So I think it will fit the category. And I think eventually the compact will have to come to the United States because people demand it. I mean, if the product exists and it'll service a market, it'll have to make its way here. And I think what Farzad was kind of, his point was Project Highland, part of what it's doing is to really differentiate the three from this car. Everything else. And, and really make it different. So it even if it gets cannibalized, it'll get cannibalized less. I think, you know, it's it's inevitable. It's going to get cannibalized, but maybe we can still keep it as a viable model. Right. Ishan, go ahead. Here's a contrarian thought. What if... Uh, Tesla is not trying to achieve differentiation between Model 3 and, let's say, the first car being built on the next-gen platform. What if uh, the Model 3 remains like a US or any specific vehicle, whereas uh, the next-gen platform is just a refined uh, you know, manufacturing process for a similar vehicle? Uh, for markets that in which they need to go even uh, lower in cost. And why I say that? If you just look at a, from a bill of materials perspective, right? Where are the savings coming from? The savings are not coming from the amount of steel or aluminum that you have saved by reducing the uh, size of the car. I mean, that's a very minor amount of savings that you get. And when you uh, tack on a lot of others like, you know, um, less number of joints and rivets and welding, etc. All the manufacturing uh, improvements that you're getting, I believe that Tesla is looking to do that with the Model 3 and drive its cost down. Now, the one thing that uh, sort of strikes me is that if the next-gen platform is a platform designed to be a paintless platform, and, you know, uh, Tom Zhu sort of said paint is expensive, right? There could potentially be a differentiation in Model 3 and the next-gen platform as a 
a consumer vehicle versus a utilitarian slash robot taxi slash fleet vehicle commercial vehicle application because i i i really can't bring myself to thinking as to why this next gen platform can't have uh, the bill of material uh, cost in the say or why can't the model 3 have a similar bom as this next gen platform because everything that they laid out on wednesday is something that they can do on the model 3 and the model y today right so and i think we are also clear that they are not uh, casting the whole body in one shot i mean yeah that would be a step change but they're not going to do that i think they've said it so i can't bring myself to identify what are those step changes between the current m3 mby platform and the next gen platform and if there isn't a lot the only step change i feel is you know get rid of the paint shop get rid of uh, more parts a few more parts a smaller vehicle might be something that you know for commercial fleet applications is uh, useful and it would make sense that you have a small com- commercial application vehicle like a taxi or a robo taxi that does not need paint and then you have a larger one which the uh, you know which was hidden as the tesla one and both of them are basically you know one small one is large but similar platform similar um, i would say uh processes that go in there no paint etc and that's the that's the only thing that i can bring myself to think about right so i think that the cheapest model in the us is still going to be the model 3 there's a chance of course it's a contrarian thought like i said <coughs> the model 3 will probably go below 30000 uh at some point in time like it'll start below 30000 and that really is and if you add in the tax credit is 225 and you know that is as low as you can you can go on a new new vehicle purchase which you actually want to buy so yeah uh, what do you guys think take a stab that? at that yeah Let's take a stab at it <clears throat> so i you know we had that uh, slide where they showed that from 2018 model 3 that prices went down 30%, cost went down 30% um with um adjustments for um uh lithium and nickel and other pricing and stuff like that. So with the you know $1000 drivetrain with the all the other cost reductions uh that um that I think that well one that 2822 that with almost like 8% reductions every year. Mall 3 still reduced in an 8% reduction every year from the point of introduction 2018 to 2022. So, I think with the new um developments that they will further accelerate that, you know, 8% 10% reduction every year in the cost of it. So, depending on the cost of lithium and other things, the cost of the uh Mall 3 might be $24,000 now already, and then with the drivetrain reduction other things there is yeah, they say not that far off. whatever is happening with less materials um for the um model 2 but the huge step change in everything is tesla bot in the factory and the modular construction in the factory if they actually implement that in uh, giga mexico right and then copy to other places then the amount of productivity they could have and the speed and ramp when i got bots working in the new construction process you know that that perfected say a year two years after it is done i don't i don't know then instead of 
going from, you know, two million to four million, or two million to three and a half million, go to two to four to five in one year, go to ten the next next year, go to twenty in the after. Like that is seems to be that if you have that level of production from the from the bots and working that in, you know, you can spread the existing workers out to other places, and you know, then a lot of master plan part three is all Tesla doing it. You know, they didn't say it is happening, but if like, if I have a bot enabled factory, right. Then, and I have a new process of module construction, then it's like, it, it, you know, I, I don't see how they don't do 80% of that, especially for the, the trucks and the mega packs and the big things, you know, they're, they're just getting it all. And then before I thought there would only be 20% market share for the, for the cheap car because China would, would sell their cars with virtually no cost, just like they do for the Android phones. But now I, I'm, I think they can get 50% of that market and hmm. then at the high end, 80, 90%. So. And I'll add to that, the current model three uh, does not have a front casting yet. And that's like another thousand, 1200 bucks off the BOM right away. Like, okay, not the BOM, but the manufacturing cost, right? Um, but you're totally right. Uh, I would just probably think that they're not going to deploy the Tesla bot in Mexico first because they'll want to potentially deploy it to something which is closer to uh, Palo Alto because that's where they're building it. I would think that they might want to deploy it not even to Fremont, but may maybe to something like Lathrop or a uh, uh, Keto Road facility first. I think that that day is still a little bit far away where the Tesla bot is actually, you know, putting in useful work at the pace required to keep up with the rest of the people and lines. Having said that, uh, I, I do agree with you that, you know, those benefits will come in. Let's go ahead and get Bob in real quick. Yeah, I was going to say it also, I think it's consistent with uh, Elon's goal of like mass the mass production. So to, to service the entire class, you have to have a low cost car, a super low cost car. And the, the, the bonus is you get to, if you buy a $15,000 car, you get it with FSD. You have the best tech. So you get to participate in the best technology at, the, at a low end. So nobody's excluded. I think that's consistent with the model. That the the grand scheme of things. Otherwise, you're excluding people that just will ne never have the financial means to get there. Fifteen thousand dollars. Most people, if they're looking for a car, they assume it's going to cost fifteen grand. They could do it. And the FSD again. This is reoccurring revenue on a grand scheme for Tesla. If you sell ten million compact cars, and I don't know what the take rate would be. There would be a large take rate. That's monthly at a buck ninety nine, one hundred ninety nine bucks, one hundred and fifty bucks, hundred bucks, whatever. That is just bottom line profit every month, just rolling up. So I think it serves both interests. It serves the interest of the entire population, and it serves the pocketbooks of Tesla. What's What's really interesting is that in the entire presentation, the the really the the FSD application to to this robo taxi cheaper car was not really part of the equation whatsoever. 
And somebody said this, I forget if it was on the panel while I was at Clive or off, off, uh, off hand, like not on, on camera. And I forget who it was, but it's like, I think it was Dave, Dave Lee. He was like, you know, Tesla is like, we don't even care about FSD anymore for, for the compact car. You know, we've been talking robotaxi, like they obviously care about it, but like in the messaging, it's like, well, guess what? We're going to get to it even without it. So here's how we're going to get to it. And that was like sort of how this presentation, uh, I feel like that was the framing around it, you know, and we can talk about the execution of the presentation and all that stuff. And I think that's what made some people upset was, and rightfully so, that it was just like, what are you saying here? (laughs) I don't get it kind of thing. Um, But I just, I just, I I found that to be very fascinating. Mimi, did you have any, any thoughts during this conversation? I want to make sure I bring you in before, uh, before we keep going. Mm, Change someone else first. I have to, I have to uh, recap my thoughts. Okay, no problem. No problem at all. Yeah, I think. Um, sorry, Brian. Did you want? Some, I, I wasn't sure if you wanted to come in first before I throw it to somebody. Um, I was just saying that uh, eventually, uh, in terms of the pricing issues, I don't know when or or what locations, but the thirty dollar a month unlimited charging thing that oh, could yeah. be a, a harbinger of car as a service in the future, because then I can say car as a service for X country this pricing, right? Mm-hmm. And it rolled in FSD. You don't have to think about them as separate things. It's just like, it's just like uh, I, I paid for my phone service. You know, the phone can be a cheap part of it, but then it's a service. And I just say this as a service, right? And then the flexible pricing, do whatever I need to do, right? That's such Eventually. a good point. Such Eventually. a good point. Yeah. And then the stock mode multiple gets treated differently also, because if you're basically treated like a software as a service, if that's generating a lot of your income, you also generate a higher EPS multiple too. So it, yeah. it it's beneficial all the way around. You know, what's crazy. Think about my wife and I were talking about this this morning. I was like, cause you know, we were, uh, it's not it's rare that that Cindy and I producer wife and I will sit down and like actually debate the Tesla thesis like in depth like she understands it but but she's like just just shut up let's talk about something else kind of thing you know I'm kind of kidding but I, she knows what I'm talking about but like we were really getting into it today because it was like I I find that if if more institutionals understood the paradigm shift that's happening here the stock wouldn't be at $200. It just simply would not because you would have a flood of money coming in that would that would reflect the game-changing nature of what's about to happen, especially when, as it, in respects to affordability and being able to enter a market for the true masses. And the conversation we we're having is, okay, really think about how much you're paying per month for a phone. You might be buying it, you know, it might be like, you know, this thing was, it's cracked. I mean, I don't know if you can see the cracks. This phone is a disaster, okay? But this one was, I don't know, 1100 bucks or something cash. But it's like, I don't know, 70 bucks a month through Apple or whatever, or AT&T if you want to lease it or rent it. But then you're also paying 100 bucks a month if you're an individual for the service. And then you're paying probably, I don't know, 25 bucks a month for the different apps that you have. So all in... A cell phone, a smartphone is not really a thousand bucks. It's 200 bucks a month if you really want to utilize a phone, a smartphone for what it does. Okay. A compact car. Go ahead, please. No. Do you pay $100 a month for the service? You mean uh, surfing and uh, talking? Yeah. Internet, uh, talking, text. Yeah. Shit. I'll pay 20. 
Well, congratulations. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying in, if you're an individual that doesn't have a family plan that lives in the United States, and, and if you want all in, it's somewhere between 80 and 100 bucks with all the fees. I might be overpaying or I, other people might be overpaying. I'm on a family plan, but that's roughly where it's at. Would you guys, Ooh. Brian and Bob, would you guys agree that's kind of where it's at for an individual, at least in the yeah, States? I, yeah, I, I pay, yeah. I think, three lines and it's like a couple hundred bucks, 250, I think. Yeah. So you can get cheaper with the Mint Mobile or something like that. But yeah, it, right. a lot of things, you know, if you're at the premium, if you want the guaranteed service. Good coverage. I'm happy yeah. Something is cheaper in Sweden. It's always so nice to hear. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Ishan, let me go to go to you real quick here. Let me just yeah. finish my point. Really, the point I'm trying to make is like if I'm paying 200 bucks for this, okay, is it really that far fe far fetched that if an all in monthly cost, even if for a car that doesn't drive itself with a lease, insurance, electric, with this compact car, uh, conceivably, especially with the EV tax credit, will be somewhere between two, like 300 to 400 bucks or something, okay? So you really don't think people would pay an extra 100 or so dollars a month for private transportation on deck, like at all times? I, I feel like that's, that's a no-brainer. And so that's how I think about it. Ishan, go ahead. So uh, th this particular comparison, while we've heard it so many times, I have an issue with it. Uh, the problem that I see is when we talk about the phone and we talk about Apple and the uh, subscription revenue that it gets vis-a-vis -vis the hardware business, right? These are two very different businesses with two very different ratios. So uh, with a phone, I mean, it's an $1,100 phone, right? If Apple sold it, it would probably make like a, let's, let's assume a 50% margin on this. So <laughs> It'll make 550 bucks uh, outright, right? Uh, and then uh, if it doesn't sell it to you direct, it's selling it to you uh, via AT&T uh, for 200 bucks a month, of which probably AT&T gets 100, Apple gets 100, Apple is making about 80 bucks a month from that, right? So the life of the phone is three years, right? So uh, 36 months, 80 bucks a month is what Apple makes out of that phone. Right, and a lot of it is subscription uh, revenue. Like a the subscription revenue as a percentage of what uh, Apple earns from overall that phone, you know, hardware and software included, is a lot higher. Like I think more than 65 percent. So it makes sense that a higher multiple is given to Apple for its subscription revenue, or at least. Um, the allocation uh, towards like a price target from subscription is higher and therefore the higher multiple associated with it comes in. With Tesla or just, you know, any like large manufactured product and the iPhone is not a large manufactured product, right? Uh, it's a $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 vehicle today. It's probably a $25,000 vehicle tomorrow, right? Um, you can lease a Model 3 today for about 250 a month, and then the all-in cost, you know, insurance, uh, charging, anything that uh, Tesla can make money off of, <coughs> it's probably going to be like you rightly said, 400 bucks a month. And if you just look at how much Tesla is making in profit just from uh, software as a percentage of the total revenue, Right. What is the software revenue as a percentage of total revenue? It's actually a lot lower, 10 to 15 percent, perhaps compared to, you know, uh, 50 to 60 percent for Apple. And that means that 
while yes the you know we can assign a higher multiple to the software proportion of tesla's revenues that percentage of revenue itself is a lot lower so it doesn't move the needle as much that, that's just you know i'm trying to put myself into the shoes of somebody from wall street like yes it will matter but the only redeeming quality is that a vehicle is probably a 15 year uh, useful life 10 to 15 year the iphone is probably 3 so you know that uh, multiplies but tesla is not at that scale today that and it will not be uh, to be very honest over the next 3 or 4 years you know the, the total number of teslas built today is 3 and a half million right till we get to like 10 15 20 million teslas built globe like overall historically i don't think it will become that significant right so as you're talking there i'm starting to think about how tesla swallows um <clears throat> the apple stuff and, and and takes over all the communication with spacex with spacex that basically you know when you see these end states you know five years whatever down the road you know starlink with the satellites does can do all of the communications you can have a a flat antenna in your car and it could you know when they have the ground to direct to unmodified phone with the gen 2 when that's at the lower bandwidth the thing is i could have my antenna in my car and then i could have it at the wifi spot for my house and then i have direct communications for for everything right so and then with the tesla bot it could have an antenna in it too if a low end uh car costs um $15,000 or or $17,000 the bot with 30 times the materials would you know build a match you know have a lot of those capabilities and the battery 3 kilowatt hours versus 12 to 15 watt hours for a phone you know 200 times the power right and then the 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 uh, computer chip could be 200 times the capability as well so it's kind of like my next phone is my walking tesla bot right or you know two generations down whatever when they do it so it's it's the th- kind of thing where you know it it becomes like tesla has to give stuff to t-mobile and to other guys and have to give stuff to us like uh, my powerwall where i can make money from it you know with the bpp they need to hand some stuff to other people because of the amount of disruption they're going to do that they need to like have mercy and say here you can have something right here you can have some some remuneration you can have a job thing and it can replace that so i i could take it all but i don't want to because i know the disruption i'm causing is too much so i'll i'll give you something i'll i'll keep you know half of the of the robot taxi thing you put half the robot taxi in for the tesla bot you know i'll give you half you know or or to split it up between other individuals it becomes they don't have to but they would just because one they want to avoid the government regulation and other stuff because they're there's this massive you know that meteor hitting the the planet of 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 impact that they have to like have something but it's like communications and the apple stuff is like the more i think about it the more you know time is ticking where they can swallow as much of it they want right that's fair go ahead bob yeah i was going to say part of the reason why that, so uh, apple gets a premium because of the brand because it's uh treated as a value stock it's not treated as a growth stock and because it has a pile of cash and it probably has more cash than a lot of governments in the world um so it's seen as probably the most stable company in existence right now because of that backstop 
So Tesla's never gonna it's never gonna compete directly with that. But the flip side is Apple is growing very slowly, and Tesla is growing quickly. And another alternative way of kind of measuring the stock value is the peg ratio, the kind of how the price to earnings are growing versus the growth. And normally, I think Tesla's stock price would reflect that. But because of the high interest rate rates, it's not. But once interest rates kind of regulate themselves, if that's a year from now, two years from now, eventually the, if, when you figure out the value of the Tesla, Tesla stock, it's going to reflect that growth rate. So I think right now it's kind of like hidden. So that's really the value of Tesla that's different than Apple. It's never going to be treated the same because Elon Musk is not treated the same as Tim Cook. It's the bottom line. But it will have the advantage of that extra growth that, that Apple does not have. Got it. Got I push back against that because... Um, yeah, I He's see, a lawyer. Are you sure? I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's basically like, like the... You know, the truck domination, the megapack domination, and then with the bots uh, fueling that. You know, with the bots running those things, the margin goes up. You know, Sandy talked about 50% next year. You know, it could go to like 70%, you know, with with a bot-enabled thing. And then I view that the truck, semi and cyber, are areas where all of Tesla's strengths come into play. And and the others can't match it in terms of like making the number of batteries, making the the range of the car, like the, the semi has, you know, 500 mile range, the competitor is 250 or less, other than an overpriced uh, Nikola, but Nikola's gonna go to business anyway. Um, and they only made like, a, you know, I don't know, 100, 200 of them. So I, I calculated the, you know, if you had semi-truck efficiency for the cyber truck pulling load, and I can see this, the semi-truck, a uh, cyber truck pulling 250 miles, 300 miles of range with 180 or 200 kilowatt pack pulling like um, 10,000 pounds uh, or in, in the vehicle, if you could fit that into the vehicle so that it's a class three, class four vehicle. So the people who say, oh, you know, like the workers who say, oh, the, the electric um, uh, F-150 Lightning is, is no good because it only has 100 miles of towing range, 80 miles of towing range, you know, ribbing the other ones. They can well, look at differently that it is the best thing to move stuff and it'll do it at a cheaper cost. So, so if they get all of the truck, that's like $1 trillion, $2 trillion a year. If they have margin of, of um, 50% or more, then, you know, they, by 2030, they could have this trillion dollar, you know, multi-trillion dollar um, net income, which would be, mean they, they swamp Apple. So. Okay. Um. We're going to do Q&A here in a couple minutes. Any closing thoughts uh, on this topic before we move on to uh, community Q&A? 60 to 90 yeah. seconds. Go ahead, Mimi. Can I say something? Sure. I think, it's, I think it's interesting how, because it's so common that we compare ourselves to Apple. Apple is a very narrow company. Tesla is constantly coming up with new products, new areas of products. Uh, I don't see it ending anywhere soon. We're going to be so much bigger than Apple, and um, I think the future it belongs to Tesla. It's no question about it. Yeah. So, uh, so I just brief retort. I don't compare us, uh, you know, Tesla to Apple. I only say that Apple is kind of the company that probably has the best financials, and it gets a premium. So, even, I and I agree with you, Brian. In, ultimately, in terms of pro the profitability, 
Tesla is going to be way pro more profitable. But I still think the multiple might be lower than Apple just because of how it's perceived. Ishan? So I think one thing that we've missed, and I'll just put in one sentence here, apart Mexico might just be the Giga Mega, which is <laughs> the biggest mega factory, uh, mega pack factory that's ever conceived. Importing batteries from China, building the mega packs and deploying them either in North America or anywhere else for the simple reason that um, you will get part of the credit. You'll not get the full credit and labor is cheaper. Uh, import restrictions are not that that much. Uh, port congestion is not that bad. Uh, so it might just be like an import build and deploy hub for non-vehicle products, uh, you know, be it uh, mega packs, be it power walls, be it, um, you know, I don't know about solar, but at least uh, superchargers, maybe, who knows, you know. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, just, just that. Okay. Closing thoughts, anything else? Going once, going twice, and shut it. I'm just kidding. Shut it down. No, we're good. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is some Q&A. Great discussion for those that joined us. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of Q&A, about 15 minutes, and then we're going to go over to the member-only stream where we'll continue our discussion and whatever else comes up during that. Um, just so you know, uh, if you do want to join us on the member-only stream uh, streams, just click on join right below this video. And then half of the earnings from these videos on Fridays go into a community fund where the community, my wonderful community, some of those that are joining me today, um, will decide what to do with those funds. And it's completely up to them. I don't care. If we want to order a million pounds of ice cream, we order a million pounds of ice cream and we'll all be probably very happy. <laughs> okay. So let's go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Bob. What, what, I was going to say that one, that one tweet that we kind of didn't go over specifically. I think that tweet we could go over for like five weeks. Which tweet? The tweet that started the... Uh, oh, the whole thing. That, that tweet. Yeah, yeah. I, I, know. I think we, we kind of talked about it very generally, but I think I agree. piece by piece, it was there was a lot to unpack. I agree. I, I'm actually curious. Again, I do believe uh, he's going on Herbert's channel today, brighter with Herbert. So um, I'm sure there's going to be more information there. Each tweet almost required like an hour that came out of that because there's just so much, so much information there. But uh, all right, let's do Q&A with our wonderful community, producer wife, the GOAT. Go ahead and bring up the first question, and we'll go down the pike. Gino, community member. Thank you so much, Gino. Question. That's why he's got the little cool symbol. What information from Investor Day causes anyone pause or concern? Great question. Ooh. Um, uh, la, 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 la. I almost have to go through the deck again. Can I say something of while course. you think? Yeah. Uh, I think... I think I would like to know more about the batteries. That's my that's my main concern. The ramping up and the efficiency of the batteries. For, yeah, for me, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. For me, it was the 20 million, 20 million number because um, I was concerned in that they said they weren't gonna make any modification, or at least Elon seemed to suggest we're not going to shut down any factories to 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 uh, add the new uh, the platform. So I was wondering if that was correct, and if it took two three years to get the next factories fully online, 
how are we going to get the 20 million by 2030? That was what my concern was. For me, uh, it was the surprising lack of information about solar. Right, the only thing that uh, we spoke about was like globally, solar deployments are rising by X percentage. In the US, it's rising by five percentage, but nothing about Tesla Solar, which got me to think that probably Elon is not interested in scaling up the solar manufacturing business as much because there's just so much solar manufacturing already being deployed. And, you know, it continues to grow at a uh, rapid pace, like more than 50% a year. So from a master plan uh, side of things that is covered by somebody who's not Tesla, so probably Elon is not interested in my takeaway. I don't even think investor day was necessary. Just That's my opinion, by the way. <laughs> I loved oh, it. Well, I do have a thought on that. We'll take it in the uh, members only stream. I actually, so my my pause and concern, and I'm sorry, did, Brian or Mimi, did you guys go yet? Yes. Uh, go okay. ahead. So, you sure? Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll throw it to you guys. I'll throw it to Mimi next. Um the thing that gave me pause is that I do not think uh, Tesla has the right DNA to talk to institutionals. I think they are way too engineery. They do not like to uh, waste their time talking about stuff that they feel is invaluable. And that's, I think, opposite of some of the language that institutionals like to hear so that they can build their models appropriately. Um I, I think, I don't know if that's necessarily a weakness, but it's a pause to me because I think I finally understand why um, there is a, a passionate discourse between retail and institutionals when it comes to Tesla, because I believe Tesla has redefined the paradigm. There's a paradigm shift on what it means to uh, uh, analyze a company like Tesla because a company like Tesla has never existed before, that they're so willing to get into such insanely difficult industries in parallel and execute. <laughs> Usually when you hear this, it's like, oh my God, you know, it's crazy. But then they're actually executing and it changes, changes the paradigm. Go ahead, Ishan, and then we'll go to uh, Mimi. So uh, I think you're 100% right. And I think that it is intentional and by design. And uh, I'll give a, like a sneak peek into what I was thinking about on this. This is designed by Elon to take over Wall Street take over the world of MBAs that he hates. And if you want to get to know uh, the full thoughts about it, if you want to join in on the discussion, hit the join button below, go to Patreon. Damn, what a plug. Look at you. Very good. Mimi, go ahead and then Brian. <laughs> uh, I, I completely agree. They don't. And that's maybe why they should have that uh, communication department that could do something that was a little more. I mean, I love that nerdy stuff. Uh, and a lot of us, we just... Uh, uh, dig ourselves down in all the details about uh, about uh, hairpin uh, rotors or whatever uh, but of course for for the everyday investor it's it's far too technical and um, I think it was I mean this was better than before but I think it was too long and it could have been um, a lot more uh, audience friendly yeah great points go ahead Brian I think if they titled it differently or gave some kind of um, um, schedule, here's the, here's the thing, 
right? That way, we, people wouldn't go off with weird expectations about what it would be. It would be like Tesla Tech um, and uh, Master Plan 3 and meet the team, right? Then it's, it's like, okay, now we know what to expect, right? Like you didn't have to like give us nothing. Because if that's what you're planning towards, all you have to do is say those things. Everyone's fine. You do what you do. And then you don't have, there's no expectation. Oh, you're going to introduce and do, no, no, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I was awesome. going to say two, two hours and 45 minutes in when I was, had my noose ready to end it all. I was thinking, you know, for, for the investors, for the investors like we, that we're talking to, they know most of this stuff. So you just spend three right. hours. It's nice. But for the ones who don't know this stuff, this is, uh, there would have lasted 45 minutes maybe. And to the Wall Street community, unless it's in print numbers now, it's all kind of speculation. Gary Black's not going to incorporate any of this stuff into his numbers until there's actually deliveries of something. I mean, when Cybertruck's delivered, they're going to be like a big jump in, uh, in, in the valuation of Tesla, I'm sure. But until then, they don't. So I was thinking that I thought really probably it again, I don't think it was necessary. I didn't think Elon had his heart in it myself. I thought there were great people there and it was great information, but it could have been presented in 45 minutes with a 15 minute question and answer period. And I think you even suggested um, Farzad to the real big whales who want, who are felt uncomfortable, do a private one for them, exactly. like go, over, go over everything answer all their questions that that i think is great i would have taken that same presentation grab the guys that are most concerned throw them in a room and then we'll do the same presentation but you can ask a question at any time and if it takes eight hours it takes eight hours and you do that that that's it was a non-tesla presentation done in a tesla way that's that was really my takeaway um let's do the next question and then we'll continue this i'm sure this is going to be a big topic of discussion in the member only stream thank ishan you're like you should be my plug guy <laughs> that was so smooth uh i want to bring up this picture real quick actually talking about clive look at these two wonderful guys uh hans and rodman i got to meet them in person at clive look at those beautiful bastards it was awesome it was it was so good meeting them in person i i hope uh, in the next event uh i can meet more of y'all in the community it was super super cool love those guys they helped out, uh, set up the entire production stuff. And yeah, uh, just shout out to Ramin so, and Hans. Yeah. Got absolute shout out, you know. Uh, I was watching the stream and uh, Hans, Rod, I mean, you guys were freaking rocking it, man. Doing all the <laughs> backstage, getting Corey and Sandy the beers. I was so jealous. Yeah, dude. It was awesome. It's such a good time. Yeah, and Hans such, and... Go there's ahead, such Bob. a resemblance. You look like triplets. Yeah, right? We look exactly like the same people. Uh yeah, Rodman and Hans did a great job keeping Sandy hydrated with the best type of liquid possible. <laughs> Sandy, Sandy is the reason why those videos are doing so well today. <laughs> so thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, everybody. Uh, question between Tipsy and Colin Ambulance. How drunk was Sandy on stage? He was hilarious. I would say, I would say Sandy is kind of an animal. Like he can hold his own very well. Uh, I would say he was probably. So if Tipsy is one and Ambulance is 10, I would say Sandy was probably at like a four or a five, I would guess. He has still had a lot of room to grow. Uh, it's I, just Sandy's such a wonderful person. He's so fun. <laughs> I, I think he was a point one two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he's not shy when he's sober, so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, 
that's awesome by the Alice way by the yeah. way if anybody of you in the audience think that uh, we should put part of the community funds uh, into doing this monthly beer up with sandy just join buttons down below there you go another plug i love it <laughs> let's do the next question from tired dad question looking at mexico and south america what do they need to transition to renewable ooh um I'm not super familiar with their infrastructure. Brian, do you want to take it? Well, uh, in terms of the renewables and stuff, yeah, they could add, you know, all kinds of panels all over the Giga factory, stuff like that. But I think the the bigger thing is that when we convert all the trucks, to, you know, semi and cyber truck over to electric, and that, that becomes dominant, takes care of diesel, that's 20% of oil. And in order to do that, because we need to have a mega pack for every seven to 10 cyber uh, semi trucks and every 30 or 40 uh, cyber trucks to, to fuel them in this next level beyond the supercharger things, there's going to be a lot of co-built solar and wind out there. And you pick locations like Texas where there's abundance of wind, but you're going to burn through that if you're scaling as fast as, as they're talking about, you know, the 50,000 semi trucks for next year is, um, you know, 40 gigawatt hours of power. So that's, um, I don't know, 10 gigawatts of, of solar. So each one, each one of these huge um, electric truck stops, mega charging stations for, you know, other cars too, but, you know, like mainly for the semi trucks and the cyber truck <clears throat> is going to require thousands of these things built out. So it's going to be like 20% of overall US power. It's, it's going to be a huge, huge thing. And it's going to be for everywhere. So that's, that goes to the whole master plan part three is that is the buildup mostly of trucks and, and mega packs because that's like 70, 80% of it. So you're building with bots, but make, but the, the thing you're making is mostly that. Got it. Any other thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say this has nothing to do with the question, uh, uh, but... Uh, I'll make it quick. <laughs> uh, Warren Buffet, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, they just bought Pilot, which is a... Uh, trucking stop company it's at 600 units across the united states and canada and i think they're converting those to ev uh charging stations and it was oh. like a yeah i think it was like a nine billion dollar purchase by berkshire but i think it's for the sp specific purpose of creating a ev charging network okay ishan real quick and then we'll do the next question yeah so uh i think it's a great question because a lot of uh, later in South America, right? Um, you don't really see uh, in the news, at least, the penetration of EVs as of today. Uh, but it's still like as a continent, it's it's an entire continent, right? You don't really see a lot of deployment of solar, whereas there's a large part which is in the tropics. It's a lot of sun, a lot of, uh, you know, capability. But then, you know, you've got Venezuela with so much of oil and a couple of other countries. There is oil. Uh, I think... What would happen is from the Mexico factory, there would be a stream of vehicles going downstream to just you know trigger the flywheel. And it will probably take a couple of years, maybe three, uh, once the flywheel is initiated, you know, once uh, cars start going down uh, to late time. But yeah, I just think late time is late to the party, but uh, it will catch up very, very quick. Okay. Let's do, a, let's do a couple more here, and then we'll move over to the member-only stream. Tony, question. How you doing, Tony? Basically, my super chat 
Uh, thank you. <laughs> what apps uh, will work better uh, on a Tesla car screen than on a smartphone? Ooh. Well, anything that anything that looks better in a size. So I the mean, movies, right? Movie yeah, type movies, stuff. Ta uh, tablet apps, but also if you're, you know, moving, you know, it, it, or you need to go remote and stuff like that. So anything that involves, you know, while you're on the move, kind of things, you know, that would be, you know, having that where you're driving would make sense. Yeah, PowerPoint. PowerPoint. Yeah. Who would want to watch a PowerPoint in their car? I don't want to watch a PowerPoint, period. <laughs> if you're not driving, you're taking a work call, you know. If I'm not driving, I'm going to take a PowerPoint, get out of here. <laughs> but like you mean for work, like a work app kind of thing. Yeah, Just yeah, to relax. Absolutely. Yeah. Ishan relaxes yeah. to PowerPoints. <laughs> <laughs> We're all different. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's an interesting question. Let's do let's do a couple more. Let's try to squeeze two more uh, in here, producer wife. Steven. Oh, look at that. $20 Australian. Perfect. Half of it's going to go to the community fund. Look at this. Thank you so much, Steven. And the rest is going to go to the Sandy Beer Fund. Uh, in, my, in my opinion, this month may be the last chance to buy the dip with Tesla. In, in my opinion, Tesla stock will never again be this cheap and is this accessible to normal retail investors. Thank you, Steven, very much for sharing your thoughts, community member. Not financial advice, obviously. How are you guys feeling about... Uh, do you guys have any correlation to what just happened with Investor Day and the stock? Is there any direct correlation between the two? Uh, yes. <clears throat> okay. uh, so my uh, concern is still with the the macro. You know, March fourteenth, you got the inflation numbers and stuff like that. So if that still is going out of control, you know that could stomp the whole market. But now I think the confidence and and if there's a steady stream of uh, new announcements after investor day you know, it seems like they're they're putting out more stuff you know, getting back to those in the eight months blah 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 so the stay stream of of the hardcore facts that people wanted you know then the the things that we see will become more real for everyone else and then the stock should be holding up um but um you know the unpleasantness that happened um last year with the stock kind of gives you pause to say you know it will never be this cheap again kind of yeah, it's but the the strength of, of the company, like they're they're going to this next level stuff, and then and then it should become more bulletproof, right? That that you know, if you got fifty thousand semis coming out, if you got the Tesla bot in, in the factory thing in Mexico, you know, how you're making a million, two million, you know, model, model next gen vehicles, whatever. Yeah. So then, and and as we anticipate that, as it, more and more it becomes clear that's going to happen. You know, all kinds of next level stuff. You know, 4680s round. You know, it's like there's four or five things that just like uh, kick it up. And whether it will be kind of like all at once and, and the 10X or I don't know. That's okay. So Any... let me add a thought. So there are, there are two uh, competing forces here. Number one, the macro. I think we're all sort of, we understand that hey, uh, 23 is going to be a wash of a year for like most of the market. And then the second thing is that Tesla is really at this point where it has seen margin compressions like crazy over the last one year. And um, we know for a fact, you know, what the bottom was over the last day. I don't think we're gonna like have the opportunity to buy at a hundred again, but I would not, uh, I mean, I'm gonna 
over, over the next couple of quarters, I'm going to save uh, about half of my dry powder uh, for a chance that it will be 150, 160. But that's just me. Okay. All right. Let's do the last one. Let's do a quick one, and then we'll move over to the member-only stream. And the last question goes to ba -ba -da -da, Billy. Question. If switching to heat hit pumps will displace more fuel... Okay, let me try that again. Billy, community member, thank you for your question. Question. If switching to heat pumps will displace more fossil fuels than switching to ICE, uh, from ICV to EVs, why is Tesla not getting into manufacturing heat pumps right now instead of down the road? Um, I, I mean, I think this is just a, you're, you've, you've invested in the supply chain and the manufacturing processes for EVs. You've already invested a ton of capital. Um, and perhaps when you came to realize this down the road, uh, you're like, well, the pivot's going to take a while. But how, how are you guys thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, if they were started off with heat pumps, then, that, then it would be easy. But they didn't. So to convert to heat pumps just doesn't make economic sense at this point in time. But they do have two energy me, products. Let me yes. let me add a thought yes. here. So the thing with heat pumps, um, number one, there are players in the market who are doing a pretty decent job of making heat pumps. And, you know, uh, every new construction in the Seattle area, and I think in the greater Washington uh, state, uh, needs to have a heat pump. Now, uh, there's legislation in place that is going to start the flywheel of manufacturers actually getting into this. Uh, so Tesla doesn't need to sort of, you know, push the boundaries on this one. That's number one. Second three, Tesla is really, really good at figuring out technology, at figuring out how to manufacture at scale, at low costs. What it is not good is at going out to like, you know, 500 different cities and having teams in place to do installations as seen by uh the solar you know fiasco yeah. i would say you know heat pumps same thing who's going to install them are they going to install it to you know the point or to the quality that tesla wants it it's just another large headache that tesla doesn't want to own and because it is very very difficult to vertically own the entire installation ecosystem you have to rely on a bunch of partners I don't think that is in Tesla's ecosystem as much. Even though we saw that, you know, they're working with tier one, two, three level um, vendors, supplies, et cetera, downstream. And Farzad, you probably were closer to it than anybody else here. Um, I don't think it, it is in Tesla's ecosystem uh, to sort of efficiently manage a very large, um, I would say community of, or, you know, group of installers in all of these Unless, they, unless it's theirs. Unless it's theirs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead, Mimi. I'm, I'm talking yeah. about third party. Yeah. Yeah. I want to write. So go ahead, Mimi, and then we'll move over to the member only. Go ahead. Uh, no, I agree with Ashton. I was making, I was thinking the same thing when you talked about that they didn't mention solar so much. I mean, they've had so much trouble with finding people to install their solar products. Uh, I think they should stay away. And also, I want to say that I'm so thankful they didn't start with heat pumps because. Would we be here, honestly? What's exciting about a company that makes heat pumps? <laughs> Nothing but I think yet. Maybe they will. <laughs> maybe they will in the future. I mean, if Elon thinks it's important to save the world, they will make heat pumps. Yeah, those are great thoughts. Go ahead, Brian, and then we'll, we'll go member. So I think we need to do a deep dive into where and if there's a big commercial heat pump opportunity for them. Because if you were to go 
there. If, if the looks like the semi truck is where the a lot of the fuel savings and, and other things are, that if there's a big uh, commercial industrial area for the heat pumps, that would make it easier to do the installation and other stuff because you know it's a, it's a warehouse, it's a whatever uh, factory. So it would be something that might have more impact and might be easier to to hit the market with, which could again goes to those two new energy products, one big, one one smaller, is have they worked something in there that hits the heart of the um, environmental issue and also is easier to attack if they don't have a hundred million homes installed or billions of dollars, whatever. Gotcha. Okay. Could I say one thing? Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to I wanted to thank Mimi Mimi for joining us today. Yes. And I encourage her to join every week. And anybody else out there who wants to join, you know, the more the merrier, really. So welcome and uh we thank look you forward to coming much. back. What was it as scary as you thought? No, it wasn't. Right? Yeah. But I'm not an I'm not an expert. I'm probably a, a member of the smallest uh, Tesla fan group, uh, middle-aged uh, women. But it's fun. And I have lots of opinions even if I'm not an expert. So I love it. And that's why we love having <laughs> you here. This is why uh I told Mimi before she came on. I was like, don't be nervous. Uh, no, no, and you're going to be in the member only with us. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't hear us. This Amazing guy, job on Wednesday. This guy produced the entire show on Wednesday. This guy right oh, here. I can't hear you. Noah. Yet. The entire show on Wednesday was produced by this man. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to bring my truck up from San Antonio and I'm going to do it on my own dime because I love the Tesla community. And he is the reason why y'all were able to watch everything on Wednesday and watch Sandy get super drunk and spit truth. For four hours. Corporate <laughs> streams. Thanks corporate streams.com. <laughs> Seriously, Noah, thank you so much, dude. Like, you have no idea. Thanks, you have bro. No I was listening to y'all on the way. Uh, I was running some errands. I was like, oh, I wonder if I could pop in for the last second here. So, thanks yes, for you can. Popping me on. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Yeah. I, thank you I, so much. I love the shockwaves in the community and just to see it pop up on other people's channels and hear this forum talk about it. I mean, it's just, it makes me so excited to to contribute in whatever way I can. And, and yeah, we it was a lot of fun to pull it all together and obviously yeah we had a little thing couple things here and there but overall i think you know it was a success and to hear the insights and the nuggets and for us to provide a platform to, to make that happen was super super exciting and then farzad you freaking rocked it man it was so fun to Dude, meet it was you all your team so. my goodness yeah i we met noah as well noah wasn't wasn't in the picture with Raman and, and hans that we showed earlier but noah was just unbelievable uh corporate streams this is his company literally this is why i think the tesla community is so incredible it's a it's a magnet of really talented folks and it was just on a whim and it turned out to be this giant event at a bar in austin that is just circulating everywhere and it's just yeah i'm just so happy to have met you and the entire community it's just unbelievable it really just shows the strength of this community not just ours, but just in Tesla community. So Noah, thank you, man. You're the thank you're you. the freaking man. Let me pop in. <laughs> of course, man. All right, let's take it to member only. If you're part of the, um, if you're a member of the community, uh, you can you'll there'll be a video that is going to come up in about a minute. I'm going to post the link to join in the comment section for that video, as well as in our Discord. If you do want to become a member, click on join right below this video. And like I said, half of the earnings from these community forums on Friday will go into community fund. 
where we're going to figure out, uh, you know, the community figures out what to do with it. And Ishan wants to get Sandy extremely drunk. So maybe we'll do that with uh, with half the money. <laughs> but Sandy can hold his liquor. So we might need a lot. <laughs> we might need a couple million. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, real quick. And then we'll, there's the we'll super chat button. <laughs> Did you want to say something, Brian, before we go? No. Uh, oh, OK. Oh, sorry. All right, everybody. We'll see you in a little bit. And then uh, thank you again, Noah. Thank you, thank you, thank you again to everybody. We'll see you in a little bit. Let's do the outro, and uh, we'll see you on uh, the other side. Bye, bye, everybody.